This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox at Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about the church, go to antiochchurchnc.org. Good morning, Antioch Church. Welcome for those of you who are visiting. And for those who are tuned in online, we are glad that you're tuning in. So our scripture reading today is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. And if you'll turn there in your Bible, I will read it aloud for us. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by the way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Welcome, Antioch. I'm glad to see all of you here. We have had a glorious time of worship. Thanks to Caleb and the worship team. Had two girl singers up here, women singers. That was great. Um, and also for the men uh, that were blessed this morning in the men's breakfast, you guys who weren't able to make it, I hope you'll listen to Gary's uh, talk on for, uh, Psalm 139. Gary Farrar did a great job, and we were all blessed by that. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, I've entitled this, Make Every Effort. As I thought about Peter writing this letter uh, to his beloved brothers and sisters scattered throughout the Roman Empire, these are elect exiles all over the place, Encouraging them that the end he knew was coming, right? To the end of his life, he wanted to encourage them. In my mind, went to a beloved brother of mine, Burke Holland. There he is uh, in all his glory. He was pastor of the Baptist church I grew up in in Winston-Salem. And he was there to encourage and mentor me when I got saved at the age, a tender age of 15, when I came to Christ in my teens. He came to Burlington to marry me and Cindy in 1982. And at that time, he was director of chaplaincy and languages for the Southern Baptist Convention of North Carolina. He turned 92 this week on Valentine's Day, and I sent him a message on Facebook. He's still a brother and a friend, still in my life. He spoke at my mom's funeral in 2021. If I think about that, I'll start crying. I attended his wife's funeral five years before that. His most recent letter said, I look forward to your Christmas letter each year because I deeply love the Fox family. You will always be at the core of my heart. So I thank God for Burke and his heart for the Lord. And we get a glimpse today in this text of Peter's heart. There's a little bit of a, a resem- or an opening of his heart to us. And so let's look at this, uh, this, these verses today under three main points. And they all start with R, because in, in honor of a Baptist preacher, i got to do it. Reminder, reason, and reach. Verse 12 starts with another, therefore... Right, and another therefore starts this section in verse twelve, and so it makes it look look back to what Peter's already stated for emphasis. We cannot overstate the importance of growing a godly character because he said it makes us effective. It keeps us from being unfruitful. We all want to be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he said last week we talked about this. It gives us if we're growing in these these qualities of character. It gives us assurance of our salvation. He says, make every effort. Be, 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 be certain about your, your election, your calling, and your 
election. Also, be, be certain of the glorious entrance. We just sang about that. He's coming back, Caleb said, and he's right. He's quoting from Scripture there. That's not Caleb's word. It's the Word of God. Caleb's confirming what the Word says. Jesus is coming back. And we will have a glorious entrance into the kingdom of God when he comes back. Or before that, if we are called to be with him uh, through death. So Peter tells the believers here, he says, I, I intend to always remind you of these things. Of these qualities of godly character. He says, I will not be careless or negligent about this. He, he's saying, I will not forget to remind you to not forget about these qualities. These things are important. You know, this is an important part of being a pastor or an elder in a church. And we now have seven elders. I'm thankful for all of us brothers who are serving together. And one of my favorite examples of this is where Paul, Paul wrote to... Titus, and by the way, if you're looking for some rules for your house, here, here's some good rules. Paul wrote to Titus, pastor of the church in the island, on the island of Crete. He said this, remind them, the people you're pastoring, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, <laughs> to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. That's a list of rules for every family, isn't it? That's a list of rules for the church. Here's how we're to behave in the church of of Jesus Christ. For His glory, because we are born again. That's a good list. Great reminders. It's an important job for parents, right? We spend most of our eight, when our children are growing up, most of those 18 years and beyond, Cindy and I can tell you, it doesn't stop, most of, most of our years, we spend reminding them of what they already know, right? I mean, there's some, there's some teaching in the beginning. There's some training. There's some, some teaching. They have to be taught. But then a lot of it's just reminding them of, of the things that matter most. It's an important job for counselors and disciplers and mentors. As we walk beside someone we love to help them to grow in freedom of Christ, a lot of it's just reminding them. Hey, remember, this is, this is what you should think. This is what you should not think. Turn that cassette tape off. Cassette tape, isn't that old school? And, and put this one in your brain, right? Put this, this thinking in your, in your head. It's an important part for counselors. Hey, look, you know what? It's a part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, the helper... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, remind you of all that I have said to you. So reminding is important. These reminders, Peter said, are just that. They they are reminders of fundamental truths. Any of you who have ever played a sport, any of you who are coaching a sport right now for some little guys, you know that it's all about the fundamentals. And they talk about it in college, and they talk about it in the, in the pros. You never get away from the fundamentals, because even though you know those things, are you executing those? And the teams that win are the ones who don't just know the fundamentals, they're executing the fundamentals, and therefore they can win. Peter says, you know them, you know these things, and you are established in the truth. So you're established, you stand, you're secure in the truth. So let's walk these things out. So reminder leads us to reason. Why is he giving us these reminders? He explains why it's important 
to him to always remind the people of God of these important truths. And he starts by saying, I think it right. I think it right. I think it is the right thing for me to do. I think this is the right thing. Our reason should be the same. We should do what we think is right. And if you do what you think is wrong, or if you do what you know is wrong, there's trouble there, isn't there? There needs to be a course correction. Repentance means to turn around and walk the other way. And so if you're doing what you think is wrong, turn around, stop it, right? And look, sometimes even what we think is right can be deadly. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way to death. Followers of Jesus conform their lives to the standards that belong to him. We think the things are right because God has spoken to us that they are right. And so we want to do what is right in his eyes. And he's made that plain to us in the word of God. So Peter says, I think it's right for me to remind you. Well, how long will you remind us, Peter? I love this. He says, I'm going to remind you as long as I'm in this body. As long as I'm living in this tent, which will soon be folded up and put away, I'm going to remind you. Mark Kemp, another elder here, we're talking, he's a dentist and We're talking recently about the questions that both he and I are getting on a regular basis. And it is, you know, why does this molar hurt so bad right here? No, that's not it. Because when they ask me, I say, I have no idea. Ask Mark. No, the question they ask us are, when are you going to (laughs) retire? When are you going to retire? And some of them are asking like with longing and hopefulness in their eyes. Like, it's coming soon, right, brother? You're getting pretty old, long in the tooth there. When are you going to retire? Um, and I have no idea how to answer that, but that always makes me think back, Dick will appreciate this, back to one of our founding elders, our good brother, J.L. Williams. He said, Christians don't retire, they refire. And he said, you might stop one job, you might quit your lifelong profession, but then you refire for the glory of God. And you know what, J.L. didn't just preach that, he, he lived it, he never stopped preaching he never stopped traveling the world to tell, about Jesus, tell people about Jesus. But he did retire suddenly a few days before his 75th birthday when his heart gave out during a stress test. And he went home to be with the Lord. Again, you may retire from your lifelong career, but how long do you serve Christ? How long do we keep growing in godly character? How long do we love others and serve the body of Christ? Peter said, I'm going to do that until that day comes, until I take off this tent. He says, until that day, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. That's a a beautiful word picture there. He says, I'm going to stir you up, saints, by word of reminder. And the word there for stir you up means you're rousing somebody uh, out of sleep until they're fully awake. Like some of you had to do that this morning with your husbands. Honey, it's time to go to church. All right, let's get up. Or maybe your wives or maybe your children. And that's what this word means. I'm going to do all I can to see you are fully awake to do all that God has called you to be and to do in him. Now, look, that's not just a job of pastors and elders. That's not just a job of counselors and mentors. That's all of our responsibility. We have an opportunity and a responsibility and a calling 
to stir people up, to shake people a little bit, get them awakened to their calling. What are you called to do and be for the glory of God? I love that. Isn't this not my text? But I love what, what it says in Acts about David. He served his generation. And we, we're called to do the same. We're called to serve our generation for the glory of God. Is there an expiration date on being an example that others can follow? Or is there an expiration date of making disciples or helping people to come to, to know Jesus? Yes. You know what the expiration date for that is? When you expire, <laughs> right? When the Lord calls you home and you leave this tent and you wait for your new and glorious tent that will come on that day when Jesus returns, but you'll be with him. Peter said, until that day, I'm going to stir you up. Peter also knew that most of us, by the way, uh, most of us are not given prior information about our death and how we're going to die. Most of us don't have any idea how we're going to die. It's a good thing we don't know, isn't it? But Peter knew how he was going to die. Look back at John chapter 21. I want you to see this because I think that's what he's saying here in Acts when he says, I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. Because Jesus said this in John 21, as they're sitting by that charcoal fire, the same, in the, in the same uh, not the same place, but the same atmosphere, because when Peter denied Jesus three times, he was standing before a char- charcoal fire, and now Jesus has a charcoal fire, and he calls Peter, and he restores him by asking him questions. And then he says to him, verse 21, 18, way ahead of myself here. Verse 18, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, Peter, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now, most people believe that Jesus was telling Peter not only that he would die as a martyr, he will take you where you don't want to go. No one wants to be martyred. But he also told him how he would die. He said, you will stretch out your hands. And we know that tradition says that Peter was crucified. And in fact, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Would you crucify me upside down? And that's the tradition. Is that, that's how he, he died. So Peter wrote this last letter of his in, in understanding that his death is imminent. He says, I will soon put off this tent. How do we know? How did he know it was soon? We don't know. It could be that he was in a Roman prison and they told him his day. Hey, it's, it's Monday, and a month from now, hey, buddy, you're going to be put to death. We don't know. But he, either way, I love the way he describes this. He doesn't say, I'm writing this because I'm going to die soon. He could have said that because that's true. But I like what he said. He said, the putting off of my body will be soon. You know, he didn't say, I'm going to die. He says, I'm simply going to put off my body. Maybe he was thinking about what Jesus said to Martha in John 11 when Lazarus has died. And she, he says to her, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. It's true. We'll just put off our body and move from this realm to the next. Right? That leads us to reach. Because he loves the people of God and because he knows he will not be present to love them much longer, Peter says this, I will make every effort. There it is again. He said that already in this text. I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at, my, at any time to recall 
these things. Make every effort. It's the same word, the same uh, understanding of what he said to them. Be all the more diligent to make your calling, to confirm your calling and election, to make them sure, to understand who you are in Christ and believe that. But Peter knew his flight home was scheduled, just as ours is, right? Gary talked about Psalm 139. He didn't talk about this one verse, but what does it say in Psalm 139? He's numbered all of our days before one of them came to be. So before you were born, while you were being knitted in the womb, before that even, right, in heaven, before, before you were even being knitted in, in your mother's womb, God had numbered your days and he knew every one of them and he knew when your last one would be. And, and so, so Peter is, is saying, I know my flight's coming and it's a glorious flight. By the way, your last flight, there'll be no delays. It will happen exactly when it's supposed to. Right? There will be no seatbelt needed. Praise God. You can walk around the cabin. And there's no layovers anywhere, including purgatory, whatever that is. But the point of this passage is not Peter's transition to heaven, but what he's doing before that happens. He, what, he, what he's doing is he's making every effort to help other people grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That was, the, that was the reason he wrote this letter, the primary reason. You know, it occurred to me as I was thinking about that this week that you could make an argument that the greatest impact Peter and Paul had on the world was not their preaching and not their evangelism and not even their church planting. It was their writing. It was the letters that they wrote. Those changed and have changed generations of believers. And they will continue to change generations of believers until the Lord comes back. That was their greatest gift to help us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Peter and Paul wrote their last letters. Peter wrote Second Peter. Paul wrote Second Timothy in the, in, in the, at the end when they were facing their execution. Time on earth was running out. So let me close with a couple of questions here. Um, how old is too old to be diligent in helping others grow in Christ? I mean, Burke is 92, and he's taking every opportunity as a uh, nonagenarian to help people know Jesus better. Another question, at what age, young people, at what age should a believer start being intentional about this, making every effort to help others grow as believers, even as you grow up yourself as a believer? I would say to the young people in here, no matter how old you are, that you are never, or how young you are, you are never too young as a Christian to care about your friends and their salvation, to care about your brothers and sisters, the kids you play on a basketball team with, or the kids you do gymnastics with, or whatever your sport happens to be, the children in your neighborhood, the kids in your school. You have an influence on people around you if you are a Christian who is growing in these qualities of virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. You don't have to, listen, saints, listen, this is so important, young people. You don't have to wait until you're grown up or graduated or working or married or have children to let your light shine for Christ. Some people say, well, you know, I'll get real serious about the Lord when I get a job. Then I'm going to really buckle down. Well, I'll get real serious about the Lord when I get married. And then I'm really going to follow Jesus. 
Or I'm going to really get serious about the Lord when I, get, uh, when I have children. That's when I'm going to really, I'm going to teach them about Jesus, so I'm going to follow Jesus and be a good example. And then they say, I'm going to be really serious about the Lord when I retire from this job. It's taking all my time and energy. And, and, and boy, when I retire, that's when I'm really going to follow Jesus. And by then, it's too late. It's not too late, but you know what I mean? It's like that story John Piper told about the older man, this really old fella in the church who got saved. And, and boy, they've been praying for him for years. This is in his book, um, Don't Waste Your Life. Highly recommend that for young people. Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. He tells a story about his father leading this man to the Lord. And this old guy is weeping at the front. And his father asked him, are you weeping because of joy? You came to know Jesus? He said, no, I'm weeping because I wasted it. He said, what? He said, I wasted my life. I'm an old man now, and I wasted it. Young people, don't waste it. Start now. Living for Jesus, telling people about Jesus, discipling others, growing in these qualities that will give you a a platform from which to share with others. I love that Peter was thinking of others even though he knew he was going to die soon. He was just like Jesus. Right, Jesus spent every waking minute, especially that last. That's why the Gospels, the the last week of Jesus' life consumes about 20% of the Gospels, right? Because Jesus was so intentional all three years of his ministry, but especially that last week to pour into these guys, to get them ready. He wasn't thinking about the suffering and pain that he was going to follow. He was thinking about his ministry to these guys. And Peter's doing the same thing. He knows he's going to die soon. He knows he's going to be martyred. It's not going to be death of old age. He's not going to fall asleep and wake up in the arms of Jesus. He's going to be brutally executed. And yet, what he's intentional about is reminding them to, to follow the Lord. Guys, we have a purpose in our life that goes beyond comfort and extends to making a difference in the next generation. Your mom, you moms and dads who are in the throes and sometimes the woes of raising children know this very well. What you're doing matters for, for the generation you're raising. But not only them, but the next generation and the one after that and the one after that. Let's make every effort to grow in these qualities and find ways to help others to grow as well. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful this morning for... Uh, Peter's encouragement as he stirred us up, he's awakened us, maybe roused us from sleep and sloth and slumber, um, because sometimes when we slumber in our life, we drift, and we don't want to drift, Lord, we don't want to just float along, or we want to to be obedient to your calling on our life. So Lord, we, we thank you that you stirred us up this morning and roused us for our responsibility, not only to... Uh, our family and our friends, but this generation that we live in, Lord, that we would serve our generation. We would serve the people of God, and we would reach the lost as much as we're able to do that with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us in that. Help us to grow and help us to, um, to be awakened and to be reminded of the things that are important, what we're called to do, and what, who we're called to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. Antioch Community Church meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon, North Carolina. For more information, please go to antiochchurchnc.org.